God's people said, amen, amen. Give this world back to God. Let me tell you something the world cannot take, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, away from your life. And as many changes that, we, that we've seen in 2020, I believe the book of James can speak to us as we begin this brand new year. How many of you stayed up the other night till 12 o'clock? If you did, raise your hand. Renee, Renee and I were all in until 11.30. And at 11.30, we realized Dick Clark was not coming. And, uh, man, we went to bed and woke up, and here we are in 2021. Amen? And I want to tell you something. I'm, I refuse, as your pastor, to present from the pulpit that we need to be Christians that are afraid of what the future holds. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Man, what a great old hymn. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen? And we're going to praise him for who he is and what he's done. And we have the blessing to open the Word of God once again this morning. If you have your Bible, I want you to take it, and I want you to turn to James, the book of James. We're going to begin a series, and we're going to take a journey through what I believe to be one of the easiest books for a preacher to preach through because it's so practical. Now, let me tell you something. If you don't want to hear the truth of the Word of God... This series isn't for you. This is a buckle up and fasten in. Because James deals with a very real issue in the life of a believer. And here's what he says. If you are a Christian, live like it. Act like it. If you're a believer, your life should be changed. Amen? And we see that in this wonderful letter that James writes not just in the letter, but we see it in his life because it's very important to recognize who James is here who's writing. He is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you look at his life, James was not always a preacher, and James was not always on board. Well, what do you mean? Well, first of all, when you look at the Gospels, there were some questions. And, and oftentimes, Jesus' family was associated with him. So we recognize that he had half-brothers and half-sisters. You'll say, Greg, why would they be half? Because he is the only one who was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And we recognize that they had different earthly fathers. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brother, his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And then when you get to Mark's gospel, the Bible says, Is this not the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And the Bible says they were offended because of Jesus. Now, it's interesting that the Gospel of John says in chapter 7, verse 5, for even his brothers did not believe in him at that point. At that point. 
And you might be here today, and you're saying, you know what, Greg? I, I enjoy coming to church. I enjoy singing, and I enjoy hearing the messages from the Bible. But to tell you the truth, I'm not sure I've ever placed my faith in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you this year, as we begin the new year, to take a good look at Jesus. Don't necessarily look at a preacher. Don't evaluate everything based on the church. You take a good look at Jesus, and I'm telling you, he's got everything you need. Amen? Everything you need. So in this passage, the Bible says, For even his brothers did not believe in him, but something happened. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the resurrection chapter, the Bible says, After this, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. And the next account we get of the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, we see him as an active figure in the first century church, that God is using him. You see, it was the death, burial, and the resurrection that changed him forever. And if you're here today, listen, the change that took place in your life as a Christian only happened because of the love of God and the cross of Christ and his glorious resurrection and the Holy Spirit that now lives in your heart. Amen, church? That's the good news of the gospel. Now, how do we know that James becomes this key player? Because when you continue to look at the New Testament, and when you look at Luke's, let, Luke's letters in, in Acts, he records some interesting things about James. Paul and Barnabas and Peter. God is using them in a great way. And the Bible says in Acts 15, after they had become silent, James answered and said, Men and brethren, listen to me. Where did he get authority? His authority now was in his trust and hope in his half-brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He was an eyewitness to the life-changing power of Christ. Eyewitness. Several years ago, it was a Monday morning or Tuesday morning here at the church, and I went out to the side, I went out the side door to change the sign. And as I was changing the sign, I heard a collision right here at the four-way. And I look, and a semi-truck was turning right, heading north on 127, and a little car had tried to squeeze in inside the truck, and the truck pinned the car. I'm changing the sign. I was an eyewitness. I can tell you this. The truck driver was not happy. He was not happy. He got out of that truck. Man, he began to bark at them. I had my phone in my pocket. I didn't know what to do. I called 911. I said, you better get somebody down here quick because there's going to be a fight. And the driver of the car was, was apologetic. He, they realized what they had done immediately. And I'm telling you, that driver of the truck was fuming. Why? Well, probably his company tried to blame the wreck on him, put him behind, all of that stuff. I didn't know what to do. I'm an eyewitness. So I said, Lord, what, what, what did you have me do? The Lord spoke to me. I can't say he spoke in an audible voice, 
but he said, go in and get them a bottle of water. So I came in here, got the water, marched out there. I said, guys, I'm sorry this happened. Have a drink on me. And, uh, and, and they got through it, and I, I hope everything was okay. But I was an eyewitness. You know, sometimes when you're an eyewitness, you don't know what to do. But when you see the resurrected Christ, you know what to do. Your life is forever changed. And when you became a Christian, listen, God did not call you to be saved and sit on the sidelines in 2021. God called you to live out your faith. And that's the title of this series, Faith That Works. Now, make sure you understand something. The book of James is not contrary to salvation by grace. Do we not believe that we're saved by grace through faith? Meaning that we have nothing, we have nothing to offer God for our salvation other than our sin, other than our heart, our life. We recognize we're saved by the grace of God. But when you give your heart to Christ, he doesn't call you to sit on the sideline. He calls you to live it out wherever you're at. So, this, so right here this morning, I'm talking to students and kids. I'm talking to college kids, singles, young married, middle-aged, senior adults, widow, widowers. It doesn't matter where you're at. God wants you to live out your faith for his glory. And I'm not going to proclaim from the pulpit of Camden, Ohio, we need to wring our hands and, and be so consumed with worry about 2021 that it's going to shut us down. No, we have a God who's a big God, amen, that we're going to follow him and trust him, and he must think you're something to let you be alive in 2021 as a believer. Shine your light for Christ, folks. Be a Christian who has faith that works. And I believe God will teach us a lesson over these next weeks together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, help us this morning to rightfully divide the word of truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Jewish historian Josephus records the martyrdom of James. In essence, James, the half-brother of Jesus, watches his half-brother, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, willingly die on the cross. And James is killed for his faith in his brother. He recognized him for who he was. And I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is more than a picture on a, on a Christmas card. He's more than a figure hanging on a crucifix. And by the way, the, the, the cross is empty. Amen? The cross is empty. When you see Jesus on a crucifix, that's symbolic of what he did for you. Amen? But he, but he came down from that cross and was buried and rose from the grave. Some people just see him as a figure or as a painting or as a picture or, or as just a man. But James saw him for who he was, the King of kings and the Lord of lords and his Savior. And he died for preaching. Many believe that James was that one, a first century pastor. pastor. So he understood it. Uh, Josephus' record puts his death somewhere around 62 A.D., and many believe that the book of James may be one of the first written around 46 A.D. 
That's who we're talking about this morning. The half-brother of Jesus who takes his faith seriously. So let's begin to step into this together as we look at Faith That Works. And today's message is entitled, Wave Riding Believers. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Let's all stand. Bible's open. Heart's open. Here we go. James, a bondservant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, representing the, the Jewish nation of believers. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Lord, have your way as we open your word, as we begin this series. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. And if you have an outline on the back of your bulletin, I want to encourage you to follow along with me. And here's the first thing we see in the book of James. He identifies himself as a servant of God. Now, I'm not sure, to tell you the truth, Denny, that that's the way I would have introduced myself if I were the half-brother of Jesus. I think I would have, I think I would have played the, the name. I think, I think I might have said, perhaps you know my brother. I, I'm not sure I would have been as humble as James is as he pens this letter. But let me tell you, James's life was changed. And he recognized his position in Christ. Let me tell you something. It's more important that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior than the last name you have. It's more important than knowing Christ is your Savior than how many academic, academic achievements you have on your walls. It's more important than, give me some amens. It's more important to know Jesus Christ as Savior than how many zeros follow a bank account. Folks, I'm telling you, listen, James could have said, I'm the half-brother of Jesus. But he met Jesus at Calvary. His life was forever changed. And he recognized his role was to be a bondservant to the Master. That's who's writing this book. To the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, these Jewish Christians that are scattered. And he begins this letter by reminding us that it is important that when you give your life to Christ, you put your faith into practice. Now, we all need to practice. Years ago, uh, there was an NBA player named Allen Iverson. You've heard, some of you have heard that name. He's a great player. And Allen Iverson was interviewed by Sports Center or somebody like that, and they asked him about not showing up for practice. His response was something like this. You're asking me about practice? Practice? You're asking me about practice? And it became a big joke in the sports world. You're asking me about practice? 
Well, I have a feeling that players play how they practice. Allen Iverson was acting like he didn't need it. I'm a game time player. I'm a game time player. Uh, you know, we can be like that in church. We can be like that in church. Hey, listen to me in love. Don't, don't get mad at me this morning. Let me tell you how we can do that sometimes. We can want to be part of a ministry in the church, but not pay the price to do it. Are you with me? We can, ex we can think that God's going to bless the fire out of something and never pray one minute about it and still expect the same result. Folks, I'm telling you, God doesn't play games. I've realized that. 2020 has taught me that. There is no eternal lasting thing apart from the hand of God. And if we think we can just make it happen ourselves, we're going to wake up one morning with a rude awakening that where's the joy, where's the fire, what's happened? And we're living in a day where many Christians have walked away from practicing their faith. As a matter of fact, we're living in a day that we're going to have to be very careful. Everybody watching, everybody that's a part of our church family, we're going to have to be very careful because it's been so easy to let the discipline of not being together become the normal. Now, what do you mean, Brother Greg? Okay, I'm, I'm talking to us here and whoever's watching. That it's very easy to get back to doing everything in life but worshiping the Lord together. Now, I'm not talking about reality. I'm not talking about sickness and illness, and I'm not talking about high risk and all that. We understand all that, do we not? But I'm talking about when I make conscious decisions to go places and do things and get with people, but yet I'm still afraid, then I'm, I'm afraid the devil may be getting you right where he wants you. It's a discipline. And I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage everybody watching, as soon as, as the health scare comes and goes, as soon as we begin to get green lights, good news at Shawnee School District, tomorrow they're, they're in person. As, as, soon as, as soon as we get through the, what happened during Christmas, New Year's, is there a real concern, or, or is it not as bad as we thought it would be? And when things begin to, to kind of un, unroll a little bit, man, I'm telling you, Mar the March, is, March is my goal. March gladness. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And we can get back together without fear. Without fear. And I pray, I pray that can happen. But James recognized he was a servant of God. That was the most important thing in his life. Let me tell you something. When you begin to walk away from church, it's a direct picture of your relationship with God. Um, the church is called the bride of Christ, right? And we often refer to Jesus coming as the bridegroom. One person said, you know what? If a person has a problem with the bride, most of the time they have a problem with the bridegroom. And we recognize that we've, we've uh, drifted a little bit, that we're not where we want to be. Now listen, I hope I haven't lost all of you. If you're with me, say amen. And that's not an indictment of people watching this morning. We recognize you have to make good decisions. But folks, we are going on one year. We're moving toward one year of craziness. Who would ever think that we would be in this position? James died for his faith, but James recognized he was a servant of 
God. And then he goes into a real lesson for all of us. If you're ready, say amen. Verse 2. My brethren, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Number two in your outline, for spiritual life to work, faith works. For spiritual life to go forward, it will be a matter of faith that determines your work. You see, the change that Christ made in James' life was fleshed out. He, he, he's saying that I, I just didn't give my life to Christ and, and my life wasn't different. He's saying that Jesus changed me forever and I'll never be the same. The Christian life is not just to be studied. The Christian life is to be lived. Um, I don't know. Do we have any 15-year-olds in this service? 16, okay, 15. How close to 15 and a half are you? What's that? One month. Do you have, do you have your permit yet? Okay. All right, I'm going to help you out here, okay? Most teenagers look forward to driving. Now, you might be here and you might be 40 years old and don't have your license. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, that, that's okay. That's all right. Most teenagers, especially boys, look forward to getting their license. Now, it wasn't like this when, when I was a 16-year-old. I think, I, I think we had to be 16 to, to get our temps. Is that right? And uh, I can remember my dad coming to get me out of school on the day I turned 16. Man, off we went to the driver's thing. 1968 Impala. He drove me there. I drove him back. And, uh, but, but you look forward to it. Driver's training is not meant for you to always be in the same training station wagon with an instructor. It's meant for you to have some independence one day, being instructed well to take those principles and to apply them when you're behind the wheel. Christianity is not meant to be bottled up in a Sunday morning service. It's not meant to be confined to your own home. God wants you to live out what, you, what you've been studying, what you've been learning for his glory. Spiritual life, listen, for spiritual life to be uh, effective, your faith is going to have to be effective. You're going to have to be a person of faith that is fleshed out in your daily life. So I don't believe the world should be seeing the church cowering to, to the unknown. I believe they should see a peace that God's in control. Man, I don't understand what's going on, but God's in control. And, and I can lay my head down at night and, and, and know him and, and just have peace. Uh, I mean, you can say you're a Christian. Anybody can say that. But your life doesn't back it up. How do you know it's real? Well, Brother Greg, I prayed the prayer. Folks, let me tell you, a prayer does not save you. Words do not save you. A changed heart by faith in Jesus Christ is who does the saving. The publican and the sinner. The sinner couldn't even lift his eyes up, and his words were, Lord, be merciful to me, a, a sinner. And the Bible says he was saved. The publican was arrogant and thought he knew it all and had it all. Lord, I'm glad I'm not like him. And it breaks the heart of God. Now, 
Brother Greg, that's a model prayer. That's, that's a small prayer that we can copy. Listen, copying somebody's prayer has never saved anybody. Words do not save you. Faith in Jesus Christ is what saves you. You'll say, I stumbled all over my prayer when I gave my life to Christ. If you were sincere, God heard your prayer. God knew your heart. He knows that you meant it. And see, you come to Christ by faith. Folks, listen, just saying you're a Christian does not make you a Christian. Jesus dealt with that in Matthew 7. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. How sad would it be for me to be a preacher or you to sit Sunday after Sunday and hear the gospel and yet die without Christ? I wonder how many people have done that. And we talk about them as if they're saved. But yet in their heart, they never had assurance of Jesus changing their life. You see, when we come to Christ, we have nothing to bring. Nothing. Well, we, when we come to church, we bring our Bible, amen? We bring each other, we bring our kids. But I'm talking about when we came to Christ to save us. We had nothing to merit forgiveness. We had nothing but a broken life to offer and an empty heart a life full of sin I like the one uh, song uh, of amazing grace and then it goes into I come broken to be mended I come wounded to be healed I come desperate to be pardoned but something happens when Jesus comes into your heart he gives you something not just the Holy Spirit to live in your life forever but the Bible says, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he gives us works to do as believers for his glory. Now, you've heard this a hundred times here at One More. We do not work our way to the cross. We work our way from the cross. We don't work to be saved. We work because we are saved. We don't work to get to heaven. I work because we're going to heaven. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what it means to be saved by grace. But the Bible says, knowing that we're saved by grace through faith, we are his workmanship, Ephesians 2.10. Created in Christ Jesus, listen, for good works. For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So when you gave your life to Jesus, he had it mapped out. He had your life mapped out. And for some of us, you're, you're thinking, man, what happened? Maybe, it's, maybe there was a short journey as the Bible talks about in the story of the prodigal in a far land. And it took you a while to get back. Or maybe there was just a little time in your life where you just wanted to sow some wild oats just to see the world, just to see what it has to offer. And you recognize that it didn't come through with the promises that it once made. And there's Jesus. Amen. The loving Father looking out across the field, regardless of what I've ever done, said, or thought, loving me back to himself for his glory. Now, I must tell you that verse 2, for me, I don't know about you, verse 2 is a tough reality to grasp. That's number 2 in your outline. Or the next, the next one. It's a tough reality to grasp. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I'm saying that I fail that test often. How about you? 
Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. How many of us wake up in the morning and pray, Oh God, let the bottom of my life fall out today. Lord, and if you don't mind when I wake up and hit that switch, remind me that a breaker's blown or a tire's flat or a report is, or a test is positive. We don't pray for trial, folks. But I have to cling to Romans 8, 28 when James echoes the same thing. Count it all joy. Romans 8, 28, know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Here's what I believe James is going to teach us. As a believer, expect trials. Don't be surprised when they come expect it and here's the good news as a Christian there will be an unseen hand that will guide you and carry you all the way through it if you're willing to walk by faith by faith the Bible says in Acts chapter 5 verse 41 they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name few words that I want to look at my brethren counted all joy when you fall into various trials sometimes trials are, are, are things that we've tripped into we've stumbled into sometimes trials are things we've walked into we we have caused the consequence ourselves by the decision that we have made the term here for trial literally means a fiery trial. We're not talking about something that you can wish away or something that you pray about one moment and it's gone the next. We're talking about something significant in your life. And then Scripture says, know in verse 3, that the testing of your faith produces something. It produces perseverance. One, one translator said, the testing is the proving of your faith. One preacher said, a faith that has never been tested cannot be trusted. You see, when you walk through the, the valleys in life and the trials of life, you're going to find out that God is real, that he's there. The problem is, sometimes when we walk through a trial, we walk away from God rather than running to him. Because we hurt so much. And, and I know that th that's kind of sometimes the personality of people. Man, I'm hurting. I don't want anybody to know. And it just kind of try to bear it yourself and fight through it and, and, that, and that's just kind of your personality but even if you don't want to pull other people into it folks God is faithful God is faithful the loneliest time of the year for many is the holidays God is faithful to be there amen he is faithful to be there let's keep going he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Translation here is endurance. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The term here, perfect, is completion. Completion. Faith gives strength. The trial God uses and what does he use the trial for? Number four, trials are designed to help us mature as believers. 
to help us mature as believers. Because now patience is produced, which helps me with endurance and perseverance. The testing has not been wasted. God doesn't waste pain. You might be here today and feel like you're all alone. Listen, God isn't punishing you just because he wants to make us hurt. Maybe the question is, God, what are you, what are you trying to teach me? God, what? I, I prayed that this morning. God, what, what, do you want, what do you want to show me here? What do you want us to do? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And I want to encourage you this morning, the will of God for your life in 2021 is the best place to be. I mean, if you're looking for happiness and peace and joy and contentment, things you've been looking for, it's in the will of God. And the will of God, first of all, is for you to be saved. For you to be saved. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, today's the day. Why in the world would you wait? Why in the world would you gamble that somehow you're in control of your next heartbeat? When you leave the building, that you're in control of the car that's coming your way. We're not in control of anything. 2020 has taught us that. Only God is. And your peace and joy and contentment will only come through trusting in Him. The will of God for every life is for you to be saved. The Bible says God's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. I believe that's why He hasn't wrapped all this up. He's waiting on you. The will of God for you, Christian, is to walk in obedience. You want to see God do something in your life? Just start listening to him. Start being obedient to God. Every time the devil knocks, start listening to God instead of caving in and doing what the devil wants you to do. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, and keep in mind Peter wrote to the uh, persecuted church. And he said, uh, knowledge leads to self-control, to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness. Godliness. Luke 21, 19, by your patience, by your patience, by your endurance, possess your souls. Now, looking at the passage, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Some people believe that God puts things in our path for us to fall. That's contrary to Scripture. God puts things in our path for us to trust Him and to grow. God will, never, God will never tempt you to sin. God will never put something in your path so you will fall. God wants us to go forward. You know, years ago, uh, we camped, um, I think, with my mom and dad. My mom and dad have been kind of pop-up camp, uh, tent campers, or trailer. You know, it evolved from a tent to something a little nicer. I've never really been a big camper. I mean, if the, if the towel doesn't say Holiday Inn, I'm not sure I'm really interested. <laughs> Renee knows that. But our kids were little, and you know how many times campers at night will go to the shower, take showers and things? It was pitch black. And Renee was taking the kids, so State, Drew and Stacy were little, and in the, in the darkness of the night, I hear the loudest scream I've ever heard, and I knew it was Renee. Something was wrong. We got to him, and Renee had tripped on a parking block carrying, I think it was Drew. So you mothers know when you fall, your first instinct is protect your child, right? And by the grace of God, they both were okay. 
And I thought about that, a stumbling block in the darkness. You see, what God does in our life is a lot of times he'll illuminate a stumbling block for us to step on and step over and use it for a tool of growth, not something just to make us fall and trip. Something God does, listen, God doesn't put things in our path to make our testimony weakened. He puts things in our path for us to stand in him and trust in him. You know, you hear people say this all the time. I don't think ball players should be sharing their faith. Well, I got, I got a different opinion. God gave them a big platform. So somebody like Russell Wilson, who wants to unashamedly talk about his faith in Jesus Christ, or Tim Tebow, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. They've seen plenty of opportunity to trip over things, but God has given them a platform, a stepping stone to trust him. See, God seems to, to, to love us so much that his desire is to teach us how to live a godly life, not trick us, not tempt us to stumble and fall. He wants to see some produce in the Christian's life. You know, um, when you have a garden, when you have a crop, you farmers know this, there comes a point of harvest, harvesting the produce. That's always a joyful time in the life of somebody that has a garden. Produce. What is that? It's something that takes place through the maturing process in the plant and in the fruit or the vegetable. And there comes a point where its goal all along has not been to stay on the plant forever, but to be eaten and consumed as it has matured. Paul, the whole thing in James' letter is faith should produce. There should be something that people see in your life that reminds them of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying the Christian life is easy because when I talk about count it all joy when you fall into various trials, the Christian life is a journey. If you think you're going to get saved and all your problems go away, man, I've got news for you. Here's what that means. When you get saved, there is a God who will walk with you through every problem. He'll not leave you nor forsake you. He knows everything about us. He's the unseen hand in the dark that you reach for. He's got you. That's the God I'm talking about. Now, when you look at the passage, he says in verse 5, If any lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Who gives to all liberally. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. In verse 5, we see a needed request. First of all, he says, recognize it. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Secondly, he says, request it, identify it. In our prayer life, we pray like this. Oh God, if there's any sin in my life, and you know very well there is. I'm not saying you have to blast it out for everybody to hear it, but why not tell God what he already knows? I see it, Lord, you're right. I'm a mess. God, I'm sorry. Here it is. And it's almost as if the Lord's saying, I've been waiting on you to realize that. I've been waiting on you to just identify it. You always, Greg, think it's somebody else. You always tiptoe around the real issue. I've seen it for a long time. I've been waiting on you to recognize it. 
And then lastly, he says, receive it. Receive what only God can do. But let him ask of faith, verse 6, and, and with no doubting. And then he says, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And I believe it is here that James introduces us to a wave-riding Christian. Have you ever uh, ridden a wave in the ocean? Uh, a lot of times we'll do that uh, with, the, with the guys, and, and uh, it can be fun and it can be scary at the same time. Oh, it's fun when the waves are crashing in and you've got the, the raft and you're having fun and you're getting drilled and, and I mean, and it's busy and there are a lot of people around you, but I'm talking about when the waves get calm and you recognize there are not a lot of people around you and you begin to think, you begin to hear the theme song of the movie Jaws and you begin to think about other things. Sometimes that's the way we can be. A.W. Tozer, Joe, said, when entering the prayer chamber, we must come filled with faith and armed with courage. Our courage is in the Lord. Faith that works is exactly what Paul is going to teach us in this passage. You are saved by faith in the grace of God, what he did for us on Calvary. But yet, wave-riding Christians can battle some things, Okay? Let me, let me encourage you a little bit. First of all, wave-riding Christians must trust God. You've got to be willing to trust Him. You've got to be willing to, uh, you've got to be willing, listen, to let Him, let His hand off the seat, knowing that you're going to make a good decision, that you're going to live by faith. You're going to show the world what Jesus looks like. Wave-riding Christians have to bounce back. If you get knocked down by the world, don't stay down. Don't dig the pit and, and lay there. Listen, bounce back for Christ. Let 2021 be the year. Uh, Wave-riding Christians sometimes can lack peace because in this passage, he talks about a double-minded man who's unstable in verse 8. Wave-riding Christians can miss the big picture because we're so consumed by what's ready to hit us. Wave-riding Christians can lack hope. Verse 7 is about survival, for let not... Let, let not a man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Some people think, I deserve it. Some people think that I've paid the price. Folks, only by the grace of God are we here this morning. Amen? Wave-riding Christians not only lack hope, they can become inconsistent. Unstable in his ways. And then, in verses 9 through 11, I believe James concludes with a good picture for us to end. You ready? Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat that it withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits." Here's, uh, here's a, something that I think you can take with you this morning. When God provides, be thankful. And when God blesses, be humble. When he provides, thank him for it. And when he blesses, be humble. Don't be like somebody that says, well, it's about time. Don't be like somebody that says, uh, we deserve this. Listen, folks, 
only by the grace of God. And when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you come to him only one way, and that is by faith. You don't bring, listen, you don't bring all the good from, from your life that you think you have in your suitcase, and you, all he wants is the, 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 the baggage of your sin. And he says, I'll take it. I'll take that. And, and then you can be free because of his grace and his love and his mercy. Any, anybody want to say amen? Verse 11, for no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. The flower falls. The beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Years ago, there was a country group. I can't even remember their names. It was a father and a daughter. What was it? Is that it? Jeannie, if, if that is it, you're reading my mind. Their song was, forgive me, heaven is just a sin away. I got news for them. Hell is a sin away. Salvation is a prayer away. And you come to Christ by faith. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. Hey, listen to me. This, please, please don't act like the service is over. I'm asking you that are here today that don't know for sure that you're a Christian, do you want to be? Do you want to be saved? And if that's you, on the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up so I can at least know where you're at to pray for you. I won't call you by name. I want to see who's in this service. If you're here today and you're not sure you're saved, but you want to be, I want you to slip your hand up. God bless you in the back. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? Okay. All right. I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. If you mean it with all your heart. Dear God, please forgive me. I need to be saved. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. And I recognize now how much you love me. So I surrender my heart to you right now. Come into my life, Lord, and save me. Now, some of you prayed that prayer. And we're going to sing in a moment. And if you prayed that and you meant it, I want to invite you to come to me. Say, Brother Greg, I asked Jesus into my heart. I won't ask you to say anything, won't embarrass anybody. We want to rejoice with you. Maybe you're here today and you're a Christian. God's dealing with your heart. Time for a new start. You can surrender that at the foot of the cross. Boy, what a great song to sing. Listen, if you prayed to receive Christ, I want you to come. Any other decision, you feel free to come, okay? Come on. All to Jesus I surrender all to him i freely give
trust him in his presence daily there. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to I surrender all. Everybody. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. to 